This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jason Shepard and Blaine Fowler. What's up, everybody? BYU Sports Nation is live. We are your day-to-day play-by-play here in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today is Thursday, July 16th. We are more than halfway through the month of July. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shepard. Teamed up with a guy who, without hesitation, will call the snitch hotline on you. He is Blaine Fowler. <laughs> that is you. For the record, I'm not a snitch. <laughs> like, everyone knows snitches get stitches. and You have no stitches. No, no stitches that. here, yes. right? So... And, for those of you that don't know what Jason's referring to, um, the NBA bubble has a snitch hotline in place where players, anybody that's in the NBA bubble can call and report people that are violating all the rules. This that is they all anonymous, the by yeah. the way. Anonymous hotline. You know, if you see somebody violating social distancing, whatever it is you report. What I thought was great was Doc Rivers yesterday said that he is definitely going to report LeBron James. He's going to anonymously, he yeah, told us he's yeah, going to yeah, anonymously yeah. call on LeBron James right before their game so that he can get suspended. He's going to use it to his advantage yeah. to try and get some of these guys that may it, keep him from an NBA it, championship exactly. out of there. But, but, hey, I mean, I've seen you do some stuff in my day, and I'm not snitching on Like, I appreciate that. Here, okay, so. here's my question for you. In terms of the snitch hotline, what's more likely to happen? Somebody calls the snitch hotline on you, or you call the snitch hotline on somebody else? They're going to have to call on me because I'm not I'm – not, I'm not snitching. I don't look. I don't think you've done anything that would deserve to be on the snitch hotline. No, I, I'm glad you said that. All in all, yeah. All in all, you're a decent. Guy. I mean, as far as you know, I haven't done anything. I would imagine you have dirt on a lot of people. If you wanted to call the oh. snitch hotline, people would be nervous. If, and here's the thing: if there was no statute of limitations on the snitch oh, yes. hotline, oh yes, I'm just I'm telling you, if if I was a bad guy. It could be scary yes. for some people. Yeah. So, yeah. What is not scary is our show lineup today. It's it's quite pleasant. Uh, Today's show lineup includes top priority for week one scheduling. We'll get to that coming up. This is going to be an interesting topic. What's the priority? And we'll kind of set out the parameters on on where we're going with that. Brett Ciancia, uh, Pick 6 Previews. We'll get his thoughts on the 2020 BYU football team. And and why is BYU part of his P5 preview? I love that, by the way. We'll have Deep Blue with Tristan Hodge, plus former BYU women's soccer star Ashley Hatch will join us. What's it like in the NWSL bubble? Plus, the best to wear, number 53. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Running back Lopini Katoa was named as a candidate for the 2020 Doak Walker Award. The junior rushed for 358 yards, four touchdowns. He had 288 receiving yards and a touchdown. He added 207 kick return yards. Remember, the only player to win the Doak Walker Award in BYU history, Luke Staley, back in 2001. That guy was a man. He was a beast, as we say. Absolutely. Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports reported on Twitter that, quote, the NCAA and Power 5 commissioners are expected to release a report today that includes medical recommendations for COVID testing. Now, the guidelines hope to add uniformity to testing procedures, including weekly mandatory testing, end quote. This uh, also, American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco announced today that the football teams will be tested 72 hours prior to each competition in order to meet the guidelines put forth by the NCAA. There was also this from Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. He tweeted that the West Coast Conference may announce its plan for fall sports as soon as today. And this comes in response to the Big East canceling 
the non-conference portion of its fall sports schedules. This is yeah. kind of all a lot of stuff all unfolding it, right it's now. It's all coming out because they start they have to start making decisions Absolutely. now because Running we're out of time. The, the time is ticking and how about getting tests so everybody's going to if they're playing football they're going to have to get tested every week. I've had the test. I've had the test. That's not fun, but I'll tell you what, I would do it every day if we could play football. I would do it. I agree so. with you. Well, former BYU golfer Zach Blair is competing today in the opening round of the Memorial Tournament, currently tied for 49th at three over par through 17 holes. Remember, this is Tiger's re-debut. So Tiger's back in that tournament. That's a big one. Tiger's back is always good for golf, isn't it? That's right. BYU women's golfer Kirsten Fotu advanced to the semifinals at the Utah State Amateur yesterday, beating her Cougar teammate Naomi Soifua by two strokes. Fotu takes on Grace Summerhays today in a rematch of last year's championship to advance to the finals. She's currently two down to Summerhays through nine holes. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Look, what we know about the 2020 BYU football schedule as of today is that the Cougars are in need of five opponents to replace the teams from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that have dropped off after announcing that they're going to go conference only. But what's the best course of action for replacing those games? BYU can wait for the other P5 schools in hopes of maybe locking in some higher profile teams, or they can schedule programs who are available right now in order to start the clock on practices allowed to begin six weeks before your first game. So, Blaine, what is the top priority? Is it scheduling the best opponents or scheduling quickly in order to be able to practice? So for me, it's a timing thing, first off, because I think it's very important that that NCAA clock get ticking. Because remember, what the NCAA does is they take your first game and then they do the math backward and say, this is when you can start officially practicing right now the players a lot of them here on campus and voluntary workouts they're they're footing their own bill to be up here you know they're not getting scholarship checks the team can't feed them any of those things and so they're here with the anticipation that they were going to start next week right and so right now BYU doesn't have a game that would allow them to start next week so everything is in limbo the players are in limbo they don't know what to expect they're worried about their finances all these kinds of things I feel like BYU's got to get something done and they've got to do it fast. I do know this. Tom Homo has been working on this long before we heard the Big Ten's announcement. Remember, the Big Ten was the first to come out, and then the Pac-12 followed. Which through. took everybody by surprise how early the Big Ten it, made but, that announcement. But, but Tom knew that this could happen. There were rumors and rumblings about this for a few months now. So he's been actively in contact with a lot of people from before that time. And then, of course, that, the pace quickened. If he can get a big-name opponent and lock somebody down in the next week or so where they can have a have an early game scheduled, I mean, I would opt for that. Uh, you look, there, there's several teams in the Big 12, and Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, made a statement the other day that individually those teams are looking for games. He made that statement publicly. So how about Oklahoma State in the opener? They were supposed to play Oregon. That game got canceled the same day BYU was supposed to play Utah. Or perhaps a TCU that was supposed to play Cal, a Pac-12 team that canceled that same week. I think if you can get a team like that and you can do it in quick order, you do it right now. But if, if time wanes here and you get another week or so, then maybe it's time to talk to, to Utah State if you can't get one of these and say, hey, could we move that game to the first week so both of us can get a clock ticking? You, you look, the P5 teams without a, a week one game that are out there. I mentioned Oklahoma State. I, I love that matchup. I think that'd be great. TCU, That's which who is. That's I a, went with yesterday. Yeah, because TCU's a, a former rival, right? Yes. So, so you could do that. Um, Alabama. 
You know, Alabama has an open date. They, they were supposed to have an opener with USC, so that's canceled. Um, and, and I love the mentality. I know that Kalani has said to the players, you just keep working hard yeah. and let us figure that out, and you be ready to go. And Kalani has just said, we'll play anybody, anywhere. We'll play them. Look, I can see the benefits of both scenarios, and especially in a season like we are all expecting with so many unknowns, I really don't think either course of action is the wrong way to go. Ultimately, I'm going to go with scheduling the best teams possible. And, yeah, that means you are going to have to wait. But because you don't know how many games you're even going to play this year, you have to go in with the mindset that you're going to play all 12 games. Therefore, you have to have all 12 games scheduled on the chance that maybe things improve and you can play all. Look, that's the way I look at it. And if you're going to play and plan on 12 games, I think you try and schedule the best teams that you can. And obviously the risk that you're going – this all is all about risk versus reward. The risk in waiting – is that if the rest of the P5 conferences go conference only, you may have missed out on locking up the other teams. The other side of the argument is that if you schedule these teams now, what happens, let's say, if the Big 12 or the SEC decide, you know what, we're not going to go conference only, and then you actually had an opportunity to schedule one of those because they were interested in putting BYU on the schedule. It, It really is one of those things where, you know, Tom Homo really does have to prioritize like what, what's most important because you, you really are waiting for these other conferences, which you assume would follow suit and go conference only, but you don't know. And so, so let's say you wait and then all the other independents decide to go a different direction and they schedule and then they're not available. The other part is, and I agree with the Utah State angle trying to move that, but what if the G5s also do the same thing? And and then the G5s aren't available. Not only are they not available to schedule at the beginning of the season, but now that's more games that you lose from your current schedule. Well, Think about this, Jason. So things change every day in this environment, right? So Bob Bowlesby said just a couple of days ago that the Big 12 teams are looking to fill in games. So that would tell you that at that moment, he was thinking they weren't going conference only in their smaller conference. But, But that doesn't mean that tomorrow that doesn't change it's just and such he, a changing environment and they and he has said that they expect to have some sort of idea or direction by the end of the month they're they're not going to make a decision right now they want to make sure they give themselves time to make the best decision possible so honestly within the next two weeks we should know how that angle of it's going to play out. I, I i feel bad for the players and for everybody right now but for the players especially because they don't when am i going to get a scholarship check when, check when do i start yep. practicing when is the team going to be able to feed me all of these things are up in the air until they figure out a schedule and that's a, that's a tough one so well, let's move on to topic two uh, we mentioned lopini katoa he's been included on the doke walker watch list for 2020 this may be the deepest running back group that BYU has had in a long, long time. The pool is deep. Uh, the question is, he's the Doak Walker candidate. Will he lead BYU in rushing this season? Look, I, I think Lopini will certainly have every opportunity to do so. And he has the most experience of any of the backs on the roster here. Now, where, where this gets interesting is the fact that there are so many other guys, and you just alluded to this, talking about the, the position in general is really, really deep. There's so many guys at that position that really should be in the mix for carries. So besides Lopini, you're talking about uh, DHC, Devontae Henry Cole, uh, the grad transfer from the University of Utah. I'm really excited to see what he adds to this team. Sione Finau is a guy that uh, that 
was really impressing guys and then ended up having the season-ending injury. So hopefully he can come back and be part of that. Jackson McChesney, we all saw what he did where he set the freshman rushing record, which and he just looked fantastic in that game. And others, those are all guys that will be in line for playing time. I personally am one of those guys that likes to have a primary back. I think that that's having a guy that you can rely on game in and game out that you know is going to get the bulk of the carries. I think there is a benefit to that. And I hope one of these guys can command that position. As of right now, I think the guy that can command that position, at least right now, I think comes down to two guys. One is Lopini and the other is DHC. Yeah, And, and I'm, here's my – I think – that Jackson McChesney is going to be the player that, if we play football yeah. at, at the end when, of the season, Blaine, yeah, when, when we well, when we so when we play football, you. even if it's in the spring, everybody's going to look back and go, "Whoa, who knew about this Jackson McChesney kid?" Right? Because remember, he played and he had that crazy big game, and and one of the reasons they sat him down, Kalani didn't want to play him at all last year because he was just recently returned from a mission and felt like it was an injury risk. And he wasn't his normal body that he normally has. He still had some mission fat on him, and and they they didn't want to risk him getting injured. I too still have some mission fat. I still have some as well. It's been a while since. But but he so in the first week of spring ball, I'm going to tell you, Lopini Katoa, Jackson Mcchesney, and Tyler Algier all looked really really good with a big huge exclamation point behind Jackson Jackson Mcchesney. He looks great. He is fit. He is blazingly fast, and I think he's going to be the big surprise and may just push Lopini Katoa for the most carries in that running back. Well, speaking of Jackson McChesney, that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Our stat of the day, Jackson McChesney led BYU last season, averaging 11 yards per carry. 25 no, carries. Only 25 carries, right? So. And a lot, and the bulk of that came, obviously, in the one game. But you're right. This is a guy, from, from a speed standpoint, has unreal speed. Not to mention the fact that, that he's one of those guys that can take a hit as well. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's got a low pad level. Remember, this is a guy that, that runs at 10, 700 meters, yet is a decent size player. And the other thing is, when I look at that stable of backs, Katoa, Machesny, Algier, Finau, Henry Cole, they all have the ability to come out of the backfield and catch the football yes. too. So, so what was once a barren desert is now an oasis of talent for BYU at running back next year. And very eloquent. I, I love that Lopini's nominated and I hope he, he gets it. But if he doesn't, there's plenty of other talented backs in that backfield next season. Time for our uh, question of the day. Is getting an opponent as quickly as possible or getting a quality opponent to fill the week one vacancy the top priority for BYU and why? It's time to hear from you. This is Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. On Facebook, Sarah Thomas Bobo says, quickly get a quality opponent. She's wanting a little bit of both. She's like, just wanting her cake hey, and eat it too. Let's be honest. Don't make me choose between the two. She quickly I want both. wants a quality opponent. They need to start practicing, so it has to be quick for the first one. Hopefully, they can do both, but go for quality on some of the later opponents and just fill in that first game quickly, not focusing too much on quality. See, and that's and an interesting... That, that that's an that. interesting... So, so say you just have to just grab something for the first game so that you can get practices going, and then you, then you look at the Oklahoma States and the Iowa 
states and the Texas Techs. And, oh, by the way, the Notre Dame, who needs the last game of the season because they're not playing USC. We're right here. We're right so, here, Irish. And, We're and, right don't, here. and didn't Tom Homo come out and say, hey, they owe us a game? So so there you go. I like I like her strategy. I think that's a good strategy. She wants a little of both, but I'm okay with whoever in the first game. Yep. So You can chime in on our question of the day. Use the hashtag BYUSN. You can answer on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, our weekly Deep Blue segment this week features offensive lineman Tristan Hodge. And Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews joins us next. Why does he consider BYU a P5? Why shouldn't he? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The greatest BYU football plays, in the words of the greatest BYU football players, relive the Miracle Bowl moment. Back to Harleen and Taysom Hill taming Texas, among others. Believe me, Texas folks still remember that. They absolutely remember Join that. us Friday on BYU Sports Nation for BYU football. Great moments as told by players at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. He is Blaine Fowler. My name is Jason Shepard. Let's bring in our first guest of the morning, Brett Ciancia, owner of Pick 6 Previews, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. So do we understand that you are actually conducting this interview at the Jersey Shore right now? Yes, that's, uh, that's exactly right. I'm looking at the ocean right now. Uh, so we're really going national here, coast to coast. Um, but uh, appreciate you guys having me on and ready to talk some BYU. All right. So now before we get to that, though, this brings now you're obviously there now. Blaine is is from the East Coast, so he's been in the Jersey Shore. I've never been there. How accurate is MTV's Jersey no, Shore from no. what you actually see at the Jersey Shore? Yeah, not quite. I, maybe up where Blaine was going. Uh, no, Brad, I was down with you. You're down. You're down okay, south yeah. by Wildwood. Like, no, that nonsense. Yeah. That, that's not real. Would, Come on. No, I'd say throw out that character of the Jersey Shore. It's a lot of uh, you know cover bands, a lot of Bruce Springsteen music. Uh, you know, family atmosphere. Good, good bar scene. Good restaurants. A lot of Italian food. So. Um, yeah, not not like the TV show. Very very nice. Well, we'll we'll get through the interview and then let you get back to your uh, to your vacation at the Jersey Shore. Yeah. You know, Brett. The, the good thing is that for you, regardless of how the season plays out, or even if the season is played, doesn't change your ability to preview these teams now. Before we get into the specifics of BYU, you had the Cougars as part of your P five preview. Now, personally, I love that that they're included with the P fives. But why did you decide to have BYU's preview as part of the P five schools? Yeah, so quick background. I launched Pick 6 Previews in 2012. Over those first seven seasons, I was graded the most accurate BCS Power 5 predictions in the country. Uh, That's compared to the ones on newsstands and online. Uh, In 19, I put out a a comprehensive book, preseason preview book, of the 65 Power 5 teams, and that included Utah. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a ton of BYU fans, as you guys know, a passionate fan base on Twitter. I, I got a lot of feedback, you know, telling me I should include BYU, and you guys certainly deserve a spot. So here in 2020, I added BYU. It was exciting taking a deep dive into the analytics, the history, the coaching schemes, uh, the 2020 personnel. But certainly they deserve P5 credit because, hey, you guys have a national title. Uh, You guys, BYU's at at the top of all the win, most win interval lists when you go back 10, 20, 40 years. Um, And there's a national fan base. It's a passionate fan base. So uh, I'm glad I included included BYU. It was a no-brainer looking back. Boy, we love that. I agree with you 100% on that. Bless you, Brett. Yes, we love Brett. It. So uh, as a member of that national championship team, I appreciate you referencing that. That's awesome. Um, 
Hey, hey, BYU this year, Kalani has a lot of returning players and maybe the most talent he's had since he's been the head coach, at least in terms of depth. What did you see when you looked at the Cougars in terms of strengths, weaknesses heading into this season? Yeah, I think that uh, it starts on offense. I think we're ready to see a, a pretty major step forward here in 2020. Uh, I thought it might have come in 2019, given all the returning production, but uh, there were some injuries to deal with at quarterback, and then the offensive line was banged up. I think it was 16 different line combos were used. Now, that said, it was still a pretty strong unit up front. Um, I think that turns into uh, an even bigger strength this year. Brady Christensen's a star at left tackle. Um, you know, the unit's back and healthy. Overall, as an offense, it's top 25 in returning production numbers, like returning starters and, and yardage. Um, you know, a, a lot of – so some progr- most programs have two or three receivers that get the lion's share of the receptions or one feature back. At BYU, they spread the ball around to 10, 11 receivers, um, which is a good thing. You have fresh legs and a deep core there. Uh, three guys in the backfield are impressive. And then Matt Bushman, uh, you know, it's rare for a tight end to lead the team in receiving yards, except for maybe at Iowa. But for a guy to do it three straight years, entering his fourth, uh, very impressive. So I think the offense takes a step forward big time here. Well, let's stay with the offense. And you referenced this a second ago. Because of injury, BYU used and honestly had success with all three quarterbacks that played last season. Now, the QB spot would seem to be Zach Wilson's to lose. How do you see that position shaking out? Yeah, so if you flash back to 2018, uh, you know Zach Wilson, he was perfect in that bowl game going 18 for 18. Uh, even that season against uh, Utah, he built up a nice 27-7 to lead there late. Um, you know, they couldn't finish it, but, you know, you saw the upside. You see flashes of upside there. Um, you know, 2019, you mentioned all three guys had experience and, and flashed at times. I still think Zach Wilson is the lead. Um, you know, he's, he's elusive in the pocket. He's creative. Um, you know, he's able to extend plays with his legs. Um, you know, so I, I, I like Wilson to start, but it's got to be a good position as a BYU uh, fan or part of the program that you now have quarterback depth. And even if one guy has a cold hand, you have three guys with, ex- with starting experience there. So, um, yeah, I like Wilson to start, but uh, it's, it's encouraging seeing the depth there. What about on the defensive side of the ball? We hear rumblings that, that uh, this defensive staff feels so much more confident in the depth there, especially in the secondary, that BYU may play a lot more man-to-man defense this season. What's your thought on the defensive side of the ball for BYU? Yeah, it's interesting defensively because, um, you know, I hadn't formerly covered BYU until this year, but, you know, I've watched a ton of their games. And over the whole Mendenhall era, I mean, this was a program defined by defense. Uh, You know, it was aggressive defense. They were hard-hitting, physical. Uh, They didn't miss tackles. Um, So that was was kind of the program DNA. Now, uh, it was attacking. It was a lot of plays in the backfield, negative plays, as I call them. But that that scheme kind of shifted uh, going from Mendenhall to Sataki where instead of an attacking, you know, high tackles for loss, high sacks team, it was more uh, bend, don't break, a safe base scheme. Uh, not that that's totally bad. It's just a different style. Um, you saw it work at times, too. I mean, against USC, BYU, only bringing three guys in the rush, dropping eight into coverage, really forced the young uh, Keaton Slovis into a ton of turnovers. I think five picks uh, confused him. So there's some pros and cons to it. It's different stylistically. Um, but, yeah, I think that this year, uh, to get back to 2020, um, you know, going with that four-two-five base scheme plays to the strengths, like you mentioned in the secondary, a lot of depth there, moving linebackers around down to the, the DN spot or back into the nickel. So a lot of parts to play with, and I think the defense takes a step forward as well. Talking with Brett Ciancia, owner of Pick 6 Previews, and obviously with 
some of these P5 conferences deciding to go conference only, still waiting to find out if others will follow suit. You know, the topic of scheduling for BYU this year has been a topic of discussion over the last couple of weeks pretty intently. And BYU lost P5, P5 teams from this year's schedule, which looking at the schedule was one of the best BYU has ever had. How difficult do you expect scheduling to be for a team like BYU, especially if the G5 teams follow suit and maybe BYU loses even more if they go conference only? How difficult do you think it will be for a team like BYU BYU to put together a schedule for this year? Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult. We've never seen anything like this. Um, of course, on most of the radio and talk shows I'm on, it's, it's one of those Power 5 teams where the conference just cut out non-conference. Um, but you're, you're still able to talk about you know eight or nine games that are already locked in, maybe a 10th or 11th even that are locked in. So BYU out on their own independent. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole September slate is wiped away uh, automatically. And then we'll see what these other leagues do. It's a shame. I mean, we were talking, like we said, this is one of the toughest schedules that BYU's had. Um, I run my game grader formula. It's, it's you know, scoring differential, yardage, uh, the whole bit, and I adjust it to opponent strength. And how BYU rated out amongst the Power Five, they would have been 39th last year out of 66, so about middle of the pack. That's good for sixth in the Pac-12 had you, you know, related the numbers. So this is a, a pretty solid Power Five team. I would have liked to see them with these challenges um, you know, getting Michigan State in a coaching change year. Uh, Stanford's a little bit down these days, you know, and then some challenges against Utah and Arizona State in the Pac-12. So it's really a shame for the, for the team. I know they've been preparing for this. Um, this is why you go to a place like BYU for some cool national challenges like that. So that's tough. Now, for BYU to, to fill out this schedule, hopefully the 9AQs at least lock in. If not that, then you got to pick up the independent teams, you know, the New Mexico States of the world, um, you know, Army, Notre Dame, hopefully will have some openings. But if not, I don't know what you do. Do you go FCS? Maybe just load up on some FCS teams and at least have some games. It might not get you bowl eligibility for whatever rules they have there. I mean, hopefully the NCAA grants some kind of some kind of waiver because BYU certainly would deserve a bowl. I don't know. I don't really have an answer for you, but it's going to be interesting to see it unfold. Hopefully they get something together. Well, they, they contractually have an agreement with Notre Dame where Notre Dame owns them one more game. And I, and I just think that Notre Dame and BYU ought to play each other every week, just alternating home and home <laughs> all season if they have to, right? But so, so as of right now, what's your gut feel on the college football season overall that's coming? Is it going to start on time? Is it going to be delayed but played? Or is this thing going to get canceled and played in the spring or canceled altogether? What's your thought? Well, yeah, there's so many factors at play. I mean, first and foremost, I want the, the health and safety of the student-athletes, the coaches, the staff, the admin, everybody. That's most important. With that said, if there is a feasible way to get it done, I say do everything we can in our power to get it done. I mean, not just the, uh, not just the financial burden. I mean, this is a huge financial piece to these colleges and, and athletic programs across the country, but more so for the, the student-athletes. I mean, the, the insane amount of hours and prep that are put into this thing, uh, I'd feel sick if they just have, you know, one-fourth of their college experience just washed away. So get these guys a chance to play, if feasible. Um, now, I don't have a definitive answer. I kind of shy away from that. I see a lot of these uh, national media coming out with these, uh, you know, grand statements that they know more about pandemics than everyone else. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I could talk a 4-2-5 defense scheme. I don't know how this, how this virus is going to unfold. So uh, I remain optimistic. I, you know, I believe in the American resiliency. We'll find a way. College football is, is so important to this country. I think we need it, um, again, if feasible and if safe. But um, I think we get some kind of semblance of a season this, this fall, and that's totally just a gut. 
no inside information, so we'll see. Yeah, well, and everything changes. You know, it, it changes by yeah. the day, changes by the hour. You know, you, you just kind of have to go with the flow, and certainly that's, uh, that's what sports is really dealing with right now. Brett, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes. We'll let you get back to your vacation at the Jersey Shore. We're jealous Shore. that you're on yes. the Jersey Shore. We wish we were there with you. We hope you have a great, great vacation, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Anytime. There we go. That's Brett Ciencia, owner of Pick 6 Previews on the Deseret First Credit Union. Hotline Deseret First. You know why we show how. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, we ask these questions, but it really is such a fluid situation. I, 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 don't, I don't know if anybody has the answer to that. Everybody is have, – you have this plan and then contingency and contingency and contingency, yep. and that's what everybody's dealing with right now. It's yep. just so difficult to know what this year is going to look like. And I do know Tom Homo has a plan A, B, C, D, and, and they're running with those plans right now behind the scenes without really saying much because you don't dare say something because it could change tomorrow. So let's just hope we can play and play safely. That's Absolutely. what we're all hoping for. So, well, coming up, we go inside the soccer bubble with former Cougar star Ashley Hatch. And a P5 athletic director in the state of Texas is mentioning BYU as a potential opponent in 2020. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, laughter is said to be the best medicine, so Kiki has some means to get you through the uncertainty of fall sports. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Something about you talking about memes brought a smile to my face. I don't know why. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. Jason Shepard alongside Blaine Fowler, and happy to be joined by our next guest, former BYU women's soccer standout, currently with the Washington Spirit, Ashley Hatch, joining us on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Ashley, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are, we are doing, doing very good. Uh, you're currently right now playing in the NWSL Challenge Cup in Harriman. How great has it been to be back in the familiar surroundings of Utah? It's been it's been awesome. It's been super fun. I think one of the best parts about it is like seeing the mountains again and seeing my teammates reactions every time we go to practice and they're just like staring at the mountains and they're like, are those real? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty great. You know, we, we hear about other sports playing in the bubble. The NBA's in the news all the time about their bubble down in Florida. What's life like, Ben, in the NWSL bubble? Um, it's not too bad. It's, you know, they're taking good care of us. We are in the embassy suites here and we all got our own room, which is nice. So you don't have to like, you know, be like, Oh, what's your roommate? Are you taking a nap? Oh, I'm taking a nap, whatever. You can do whatever you want, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's just the hotel and the soccer field for us, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, we're doing our best to keep ourselves entertained and busy. So lots of card games. (laughs) So we, and, and Blaine, you know, alluded to this, we hear the bubble with the NBA and, and we know how, you know, how, how much they're, they're taking it seriously in, in the testing and things like that. How, how much of that uh, are you guys dealing with as well in terms of the, the testing all the time and, and can't leave, those kinds of things? Give everybody an idea of, of what it's like um, right now as an athlete. Um, yeah, we have been very cautious and very careful. We've been tested, 
I can't even remember how many times because it's been quite a few. But after every game we get tested, we have to wear a mask everywhere. Um, even like a second we get outside of our hotel room, we're wearing our masks um, in the car on the way to the training field. The only time we can take it off is when we're actually playing soccer or eating. So, I mean, they've got it all planned out. There's hand sanitizer pretty much everywhere you look. Um, we're taking this very seriously, um, but I think it's what's keeping us safe. And we've done good so far to not have any positive tests among the players. So that's good. That's absolutely great. Uh, I think a lot of people are curious how that environment affects the product on the field. Has the game on the pitch changed at all? I mean, you take into, you know, into account no fans. You, you're in that type of bubble environment. How, how has the actual soccer game changed, if it has? Um, I would say probably the first game was just a little different, um, getting back into like having an actual game day, but not having fans, the stadium is pretty quiet. You know, you score a goal and there's no cheers, which is a little weird, but I think we're all getting kind of used to it. And it's, I don't think it's affecting, um, you know, on field play. I think it's still just as competitive as it would be if, you know, if we had fans or if we were in a normal season. So it's starting to feel normal since we've been here for quite a bit now. And it's just good soccer and it's fun to be out there on the field again. As you're out there uh, pursuing your own career now, do you get a chance to follow BYU soccer at all? How, how much do you get to, to tune in and to keep track of what they're doing? Um, I, t- I mean, I follow their Instagram. I text Jen every so often. She texted me and said she watched the first game and stuff. So I tune in as much as I can. Um, Instagram's been a great resource for me. Um, also in the off season, I'm actually in Utah quite a bit. So I stop by and practice with them or come watch their practices whenever I can. Well, and you have some former teammates that are in the NWSL as well. I've got to imagine that's pretty cool to be able you – ha- you have these college experiences together, and now you get to experience being a pro together as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. We, uh, we played Michelle actually our first game. Um, so it was fun to see her, and I actually saw her the other day with her little girl, Scarlett. Um, they were getting food, and she like walked by, and we had our masks on. We were just like, hey, like, good to see you. So, yeah, it's definitely fun to see some familiar faces. When you look at what Coach Rockwood has done with that program, you were obviously, you know, a, a part of a of a strong legacy that she has created at BYU. Can you put into words what she has meant for soccer here at BYU? Man, that's a big task to be able to put that into words. Um, but yeah, Jen is just. Um, She's just like an inspirational coach. Like she, I just remember lots of games, like going out before going out on the field or at halftime, she says a lot of great things that get us motivated and help us become not only better soccer players, but better people. And I think that's why she's had such great success is she's able to get the most out of her players and um, get them to work together. And so it's, it's really hard to put into words, but she's definitely done a lot and I'm super grateful for her. So being in the spotlight, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of social activism in, in recent weeks, especially certainly from athletes on display. Um, you made the decision to donate money from your goal bonuses to the NAACP in a program called uh, a program called DC Score. Why was that mm-hmm. so important for you to do? Um, that was really important for me to do because, I mean, we all have, we're all in different situations. We all have different platforms. And I felt like it was important for me to use my platform 
um, to donate whatever money I get from this tournament to two organizations that I feel like I could um, stand behind and support. And um, for those that don't know, DC Scores is a local um, organization that helps kids um, through school and through soccer have kind of a, a better life and a better childhood. And so those are two organizations that I thought would be really helpful for other people to know about and if they wanted to help support their causes and their movements to kind of like raise awareness for those two organizations. You guys play the spirit, meaning you guys play Sky Blue FC coming up on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. For those that want to watch that, you can check it out on CBS All Access. How do you feel the team's playing right now as you guys continue through this, uh, this NWSL Challenge Cup? I feel like we're doing really well. It's kind of crazy to have, like, we've only had four games and now we're in playoffs, knockout rounds. Usually you have, like, anywhere from, like, 18 to 20 games before you get to the playoffs. So I think we're moving in the right direction. We're figuring a lot of things out. Our relationships in the field are developing pretty quickly. Um, So I'm excited to kind of just get to these knockout rounds, and I think that we'll rise to the occasion. So you go win this thing. Then what's the first thing you're going to do when you get out of the bubble? <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is go home to Orem and see my husband because he's so close and I can't see him. <laughs> I saw the Instagram photo this morning talking about how you're missing your husband right now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard being this close and not being able to what, hang out. Or when I asked that, course. I figured that was going to be the answer. Yeah, because we've, <laughs> we've been following that story. That's got to be hard. But yeah, that's a good first thing to do. Yeah. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for uh, for taking a few minutes. It's great to follow your career in the NWSL. I, I know any time you know that uh, that you guys are in action, social media is talking about what you're doing and what the team is doing. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. We appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You bet. There we go. That's former BYU Cougar, current Washington Spirit forward Ashley Hatch on the Desert First Credit Union hotline. Desert First, you know why. We show how. Yeah, I would imagine, uh, I would imagine, be, look, it's easy for us who aren't in the bubble to talk about, well, you're just hanging out in a hotel room, you know, and then you get to go play your games. But I don't think we have any clue as to just how isolating that probably yeah, is. Yeah, completely separated from family, from everyone, yeah. really. You, you are... The bubble is the best term for it. You're in a bubble. Just you and your teammates and the teams that you're playing against as a league, you're in the bubble. It's got to be difficult. But I like what she said. Hey, anything to be able to get out and play soccer and put a product out you know, on the pitch, I think that's fantastic. And Ashley always representing the Cougs in a great way. Absolutely. Well, and imagine her. Now, she's not originally from Utah. She, she's from Arizona. But obviously playing at BYU, and she mentioned her husband being in Orem currently, it probably adds an extra layer of uh, frustration to be in surroundings that you're familiar with, that you're used to being around, having your husband 30 minutes away, but yet you're still in the bubble. Yeah, so close, so close yeah. but you can't leave the yep. bubble. So, so close, yet well, so we, far away. We wish Ashley the very best. Hope they go and win win it all. Absolutely. great. So, Well, coming up, Kairos Tonga lays down a challenge. I love it. Yeah, I love it. This is pretty awesome. I saw the, It brought a smile to my face yes, when I saw it last night. Plus, the best to wear, number 53. We'll talk about that coming up as well. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. 
BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I know you've been following this. We've been doing the best to wear it presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We're counting up to number 99, determining who is the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. Blaine, today we are at number 53. And at 53, we go with Alan Taylor, the great BYU basketball center from 1976 to 1980. Averaged 11.7 points a game, 57.4% field goal. He's the best field goal percentage in the history of BYU career. Big, big That's time. Impressive. Yeah, and he was—he just got better every single year, so he was all-whack honorable mention his sophomore year, second team, his junior year, and that senior year, uh, first team all-whack. Uh, he, he was a big-time player, and all, that senior year, that was the team with Runia, Ainge, Durant, Roberts, and Taylor starting at center. Really, really great basketball team. Greg Kite came to that team as a freshman that year. Um, Loaded, man. He, Allen was a special, special player, and uh, unfortunately, we we lost Allen to complications of di- diabetes back in 2014 at the age of 55, but a great human being and a, one of the most efficient players. He didn't shoot a ton, but when he did, it went in. Allen Taylor, number 53, the all-time field goal percentage leader in BYU history. Our question of the day is getting an opponent as quickly as possible or getting a quality opponent to fill week one vacancy, the top priority for BYU and why that brings us to our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance mountain resort This coming in from CL underscore living says quality is more important. For example, your show maintains quality and therefore interest, even though no current sports are played, lose the quality and nobody cares, but they put us on today. That's kind of where I was worried so, that like, somebody yeah. put this in for there. The most part, for the most part, for the most part, he's right. All right, it's time for today's rise and shoutouts. Blaine, where are you going? Mine's going to Kyrus Tonga because of the tweet that he put out yesterday. He said, "Anybody, literally anybody, will play whoever wants this smoke." I like it. Uh, my rise and shoutout's going to go to Brett Ingeman for deciding against doing the Bachelorette after all. Thanks to today's <laughs> guests, Brett Ciencia and Ashley Hatch. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, not Facebook. Facebook. Remember Facebook. Facebook. remember it. Use the hashtag, hashtag BYUSN. For Blaine, I'm Jason. Shout out to Rachel Manning Jorgensen. BYUSN back at it tomorrow noon Eastern. Go Kooks. In every life, there is tragedy. 